Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. You're doing great with your core classes. We are now in the second part of session four uh, when it comes to the End Times booklet. if you've just listened to the last one, we're in the middle of talking about the resurgence of premillennialism. If you didn't listen to the last one, you really need to listen to the last one to make sense of where I am here in the study. So let's jump back into it. We're going to keep discussing uh, the resurgence of premillennialism and kind of how where dispensationalism comes from. If you don't know what the word dispensation means or dispensational means, I'm going to take some time during this one to talk through it, so that way you understand what it means. I'll be on the whiteboard, so I'll be describing it as I write it on the whiteboard. I want to make sure you understand what that means because it has an impact on us today and some of these different points of view. So enjoy the next core class. When I say dispensations through the ages, how many of you know what I'm talking about? One, two, three. Okay, totally fine. If I ask that question in a room full of some of our pastors, and elders, they also would have a hard time raising their hands. It's just a very hard subject. So let's talk about, just for a second, what I mean when I say a dispensational way of understanding the Bible. So what a dispensationalist does is they're going to view God working in different ways in different stages of history. So you have this first stage where they're in Eden, right? That was kind of unique. And there was actually a covenant of works taking place. Remember, don't eat this. And if you ate that, you'd break the covenant. So you've got this period of time, okay, in Eden. Now, even as I write this down, you might say, oh, that doesn't sound like the way I understand it. Well, Darby had a system, okay? Brooks, a later guy, had a system. Another guy uh, named Schofield had a system. And then Gray had a system. So there's multiple systems. So it depends on which system you're looking at. So I'm just kind of combining a couple together. Um, so, but Lots of dispensational concepts were put together. So there's Eden and the ideas works. After Eden, after the fall, you have this period of time with Noah. We basically just saw conscience and the human government trying to like abstain evil. So those, that's what was happening there. The next stage of history was Abraham. And what you had there is you had this age of promise where God made these promises that you were supposed to place your faith in. Later, you've got Moses and the law. Then you have Jesus, eventually, and you see this covenant of grace in the death of Christ. And then after Christ, you have this age where you see the church, okay? Um, And then if we, sorry, that's messy, but I don't know what else to do. Uh, So after the church, then we start extending the same way of thinking into the end times. So these lines are pretty hard lines, according to the dispensationalist. So as you get into here, you've got the church, but after the church, you've got this tribulation time, okay, where the church is taken away, right? So on that line, there's an arrow at the top. The church is taken away. There's tribulation, and it kicks into this period of millennium, or some of them would call it kingdom. And then there is a final line here where you have eternal state. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Most have seven. So usually these are put together. I separate them because the millennial kingdom, the eternal state are different. Some people wouldn't put a line between tri- tribulation and millennium, but you do see a distinction between the two. So 
what a dispensationalist does is he draws a pretty hard line. So if you notice, if these lines are here, the point is that God works with mankind and expects different things from man depending on what stage of history they're in. So if all you have are the promises of God but no law, then you need to respond to God with what you know is true of what he's promised you. If you have the law, you're also expected to do what he's called you to do. So the expectations of man change okay, throughout each stage of history. Now, just so you know a different point of view, okay, it would be more of a, lots of other systems would just call it this. You have a period of works, which was in Eden, and then a period of grace after Eden. That's a little easier, isn't it? Okay, so like really, that's, that's the other system. Works, grace, okay? The point of view here is, and to some extent what I'm about to say, the dispensationalists would agree with me. Here, the issue is, have you placed your faith in God in terms of whatever extent he's revealed himself to man? Through Noah, through the promises, God's revealed a certain amount of who he is to mankind. Have you placed your faith in whatever he's told you up to this point? Yes. Then the blood of Christ covers your sins, just like it covers the sins of those who come after Christ. Okay? So this is a covenant of grace based upon the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ himself. The dispensationalists also believe this because of Jesus Christ that all these people are saved. Um, but just, there's a real distinction here. So if there's a real distinction, catch this. On this side, you have the you have the Jews. On this side, you have the church. So because this line is pretty thick, there's a real distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. There's a big distinction between Israel and the church. And they would say, here in this millennial period of time, it kind of goes back to the focus being on ethnic Israel. In fact, tribulation and during this time would be a focus on ethnic Israel. So those lines are thick, so there's kind of a transition from a focus on Israel to the Gentile slash the church back to Israel. Here, they would say, well, both have placed their faith in whatever God has promised, and the blood of Christ has saved both of them. They're a single church. So don't focus so much on whether they're Jew or Gentile in background. Focus on whether they're saved or unsaved. Concept being faith saves both, which the New Testament says Abraham is saved by faith. You're saved by faith. So let's just kill the distinction it's a single concept, covenant of works, covenant of grace. Here, they're saying, well, in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, in the way we understand the, the end times in the book of Revelation, there seems to be distinction between the church and Israel, so let's maintain the distinction. So there's two different ways of kind of thinking through that. Okay? I want to ask, do you understand? Or do you have questions? But if I do, this is all we're going to get to tonight. Okay? So with this, just to make this clear... This would be a classic dispensational model or way of thinking. Nowadays, uh, there's a lot of people, including at Dallas Seminary. Dallas Seminary is kind of like the bastion of dispensational theology. Have you ever heard of Dallas Seminary? ABC would kind of fall under that way of thinking. There's a lot of people there and in lots of places that would be more of a progressive dispensationalist. What that means is a lot of these lines become a little weaker. Okay, they're a little bit more perforated. So they still would hold to them, but they aren't quite as firm in the distinction between the different ages. That's what a progressive dispensationalist is. 
in the easiest way of explaining it. There are also some who are, instead of being covenant theologians, they're saying, well, you know what? Maybe there is a little distinction here. And they're like progressive covenant theologians. And I'll be honest, a progressive covenant theologian and a progressive dispensationalist could almost be brothers. Okay? So it's been interesting to watch the two camps that were very distinct actually start coming together and finding some unity. Uh, some of them are writing books together and having conversations about this kind of stuff. So this is just a background to help you understand how this group lands here, which is what we call dispensation, pre, premillennial, pre-trib dispensationalism. Okay? I'm going to keep going. Mind if I erase this? Thank you. All right. So that's the background of that. What you kind of need to know is we have this discussion. So let me just read this one point again. John Nelson Darby, 1846, proposed a full system of understanding the Bible through multiple dispensations through the ages, which you now understand. His way of dividing and systematizing the Bible extends into his eschatology. Now, how did this become popular? Really, this concept of a pre-trib, pre-millennial dispensationalism was brand new in 1840. Like, brand new. This wasn't something that he read somewhere else. He designed a lot of these thoughts. Well, how did it catch on? He mentored a man named Brooks. Brooks was one of the guys I put at the top of the board, who then mentored a guy named Schofield. Schofield put out a study Bible. Have any of you heard of a Schofield study Bible? Does anyone have one with them? Okay, I've got one right here. All right, so like... Not with me. Not with you? Okay, that's all right, Bill. So, but anyways, like that Bible became very, very popular, which also helped popularize the system and way of thinking. Uh, he also did this. He, Darby mentored a guy named D.L. Moody. Have you ever heard of D.L. Moody? I mean, big time, right? Moody Bible College. So between Schofield and Moody, like it took on a lot of momentum. So a lot of people kind of bought into this way of thinking. Uh, this system introduced the concept of a secret rapture. Darby said he began holding this belief as early as 1827, even though he didn't talk about it until 1840. But he also began to question the belief as late as 1843. So Darby even kind of wavered on whether or not he thought this was for sure the right way of thinking. Uh, all of them adhere to a very literal hermeneutic, which hermeneutic, again, is a way of understanding the Bible. They understood the Bible in a very literal way. In this system, camps began to disagree over the timing of the rapture. So after this system was put together, some said, well, I think the church is leaving right before the tribulation starts. Another group said, I think it's leaving in the middle. Another group said, I think it's leaving at the end. Okay, so it started to they started to argue in different points of view about when the rapture was going to take place. A guy named Robert Gundry and George Ladd, who have written amazing books, uh, were popular proponents of a post-tribulation rapture. Gleason, who's also wonderful, proposed a mid-trib position on the rapture. All those are discussed further in the back. In fact, a lot of this stuff is in the back. If you want to look at more dispensational covenant theology stuff, it's in the back. This is 75 pages. You're going to find something fun to read at some point in the back uh, if you like to go there. Uh, this system also promotes a really strong distinction between Israel and the church, which you saw why and how. Today, so we've talked about all the different points of view and the resurgence of premillennialism. Individuals, churches, and seminaries from all camps presently live together in conservative evangelical circles. When I say conservative, I'm not talking about politics. I'm just talking about they believe the Bible is true. There are people who believe the Bible is true and God's very word in many different circles who disagree about which position they land in in the end times, but do agree when it comes to the gospel, and they call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ and have unity with one another. Look on page five just for a second. 
If you were here Friday night, I would have pointed this box out. I just want you to look at it again. So these are brilliant people. Every single column has brilliant people who are godly people. I hope on your bookshelves you have people, you have books from these different people and many of these different columns. Okay? So there's lots of people who are brilliant and just have different points of view, but they all would be able to go to church together. Just because they have a different point of view here doesn't mean they have a different point of view on the value and purpose and the person of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, which is the centerpiece to our faith. In the central things, they have no disagreement. On what we would call almost a peripheral or a debatable position, they do have some disagreement, and that's okay. All right? So there's some brilliant guys on there. Let's flip back over. Page 29. So this is the second time I got to teach this class. Uh, my plan was to get through about 10 pages. This morning I got through three. So I had to like recoup and rethink through how we we're going to do it tonight. So let's have this conversation again. We talked about this Friday night. If we are at you know, LAX, if we're in LA and we're jumping on a plane and your goal destination is NYC, if that plane leaves the station, leaves the airport, just slightly, even just 3.5 degrees, <laughs> that's a percentage, a degree south, you end up in Washington, D.C. Okay, so even though you leave from the same place, if you have a slightly different point of view, if you go in just a little bit different direction, you end up in a completely different city. If your direction's even farther off, you can end up in Tampa. Okay, so I would say with these different points of view, all of them start with the same goal in mind. We want to interpret and apply scripture correctly. We believe this is God's word. And we want to honor God in a pursuit of understanding what it says. But there are people who are landing in very different spots because their point of view, and we talked about this Friday night, is that this is either very literal, somewhat literal, or very much symbolic and allegorical. So depending on where you end up leaving, what your trajectory is, you end up landing in very different places, even if your goal was the same when you left. Okay, so that's just something to remember. Your method of interpretation determines a lot about where you land.